Let me pray one more time. Father, if it comes to bring a message, I pray that you would move within it, that you would uh, remove me as much as you can from it so that it's your message because you know that I would mess it up. So <laughs> I pray that you would speak your word through my voice in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to start a new series. It's a Lenten series. Children can go to the back because you have a class. Oh, is it going the wrong way? Is that better? Check one, two, three, four. Okay. I'm still working on it. We're a work in progress. What are we? A group of imperfect people following Jesus. That's good because everybody's imperfect, so that works. <laughs> so today we're going to start uh, the Lenten series. Uh, if, on Ash Wednesday, I talked a little bit about grace and that that is going to be our focus during this Lent, but I wanted us as well to, to do some... Lent is a time of reflection. It's a time of examining where we are, where God would have us in our journey. And so when, when we talk about grace, it's really easy to just kind of, yeah, thank you for God's grace and thank you for God's grace. But, you know, some, we can get in this pattern of just ignoring sin because we have God's grace. So my, my hope for us in this season... Uh, the, these next five weeks are going to be focused on grace, but I hope that we look at, am I taking it for granted? Because it was not a cheap grace. It was an expensive grace that was bought with the blood of Christ. And, and so we need to be examining where are we and where would God have us. Uh, I'm going to be using it. Anybody been to walk to Emmaus? Yeah, a few folks. Uh, I'm going to be using the Emmaus outlines, but the good part about that is that those, those are Emmaus talks, and a talk is not a sermon. And a sermon is not a talk, so while there will be some overlap, um, it's going to, information, I'm not liking this, this mic at all. Yeah, you got a piece of tape? <laughs> yeah, I need to. If you'll tear me off a piece, if you'll tape that to my cheek. Where's your cheek? <laughs> this is trust right here. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. <laughs> there, that'll be better. It's not going to be jumping all over the place like it was. Um, <laughs> so, so we're going to be uh, talking about grace over the next five weeks. And... Um, and I hope, hopefully I'll weave it together in a way that makes some kind of sense and brings some kind of clarity. But today I want to start with Psalm 139, verse 13. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I knew a child who was born into difficult circumstances. He had a father who was violent when he drank and he liked to drink. But even so... The words that one would think of as not as powerful or painful often cut deeper than fists ever could. Verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. As that child reached 11, the abuse expanded to include sexual abuse from out to someone outside the family. Pain was constant in that life. Sorrow and sadness were always there. That something was wrong with this child was evident as loneliness built up walls of protection from this awful thing called life. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. 
Imagine this child hearing this song. You know me. You knit me together. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame is not hidden. Then where are you? And I'll get back to that. But we're going to talk about grace. We should probably talk about what grace is. Grace comes from a Greek word, charis, and it means gift. It's a, it's a present. It's a gift that God gives to us. It's a gift that God, through Christ, offers to us. It's a relationship with him. It's a relationship that includes salvation, reconciliation, and eternal life. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy. Oh, you know what? We can read this together. Well, most of you can. Some of you might need glasses. Here we go. (laughs) But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his kindness, grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast. And it's important to note that we're going to be talking about grace, and I'm going to talk about different aspects of it, but this is still one grace. It's God's grace. It's not multiple graces. I'm going to talk about justifying grace, or Andy Witt's going to talk about justifying grace next week. Uh, I get to play music. Uh, and, and then sanctifying grace, and we're going to talk about obstacles to grace and means of grace, and, and today we're going to talk about prevenient grace. How many people have heard that word who haven't been to Emmaus? <laughs> Prevenient grace. Um, And it might seem that they're different entities, you know, as we go, well, this is prevenient. No, this one grace, it's all God's grace. And the way that my favorite way to look at this is, and one day I'll get a prism so that I can do this. But if I had a prism and I had a light and I shone that light through that prism and it was pointed at Rick, he would see it in one way because I was over here. If I moved the light to over here, it would then show a different view. But it's the same prism and it's the same light. It's the same grace that we're talking about. It's God's grace. It's God's unmerited favor. It's, it's extended to us, but there are ways to look at it. So we're going to be looking at the Wesleyan or Methodist understanding of that over the next few weeks. Prevenient grace, with that which we're going to talk about today, simply means that God is present with us throughout our lives. From the time that we're born to the time that we say yes at conversion, that is the time of prevenient grace. But God's grace is always with us. Always, always, always. Say that with me. Always with us. Oh, that's even better. Always, always, always. (laughs) I like that better. In case you're wondering, it's with us always. That's right. So so it's a prevenient grace, prevenient grace. Uh, It's the grace that comes before, and and it comes from a Latin word, prevenere. Uh, I think that's how you say that. but it simply means to come before. It's the grace that is, is, comes before any human decision. It comes before any endeavor. It comes before anything that we do. 
Did you know that God's grace is with you regardless of what you do or don't do? God's grace is with you. And that's, that's, it's just, you're never apart from God's grace. It's at work even when we are not aware of it. God's grace is with us through it all. And some of y'all probably know this word wooing, right? Yeah, Carol's, Carol's chuckling. Yeah, that's what we used to do when we used to go courting. Go a courting. I learned it this way. Woo! <laughs> Rick Flair, nature boy. <laughs> it's a different kind of woo. <laughs> but God is after us, right? So part of what he does is he's wooing us. He's courting us. Revelation 22, 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. God is saying, come. He wants this relationship. Come on. Come to me. Let anyone. All. All. Anyone who wants this to come, and God draws us to him. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, as, and I will raise him up on the last day. Here's the cool thing and a difference between us and our Calvinist brothers and sisters. This idea of predetermination or predestination. Did you know that everyone in here is predestined to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? So, yes, we are all predestined, and then we choose. If it's up to God, God, say, God says, here it is. Have this relationship. God would that all were saved. There's not an all except you. It's not the elect. It's all. But then we get to choose that awesome and terrible power of choice. We say yes or we say no to the free gift that God puts on the table. It's like there's this gift and it has your name on it. It says angel right here, you know. And, and it's yours. And, and, and it's sitting there and God says, this is for you. And then he walks away. Now Angel has to choose, do I go take that gift or not? And there's a gift with your name, and it's free, and it's yours, but it's up to you. And when we say yes, it changes everything, because as you've heard me say dozens of times, when you encounter the living God, you cannot emerge unchanged. So God is drawing us. He's pursuing us. It's a love that's never going to go anywhere. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This idea of getting better and going to church, it ain't from God. You know, come as you are is what God says. And then he'll change. <laughs> Look, I ain't going to lie to you. If you encounter a living God, you ain't going to stay the same. But he says, don't worry about getting better and come. He said, come on. Show up, in, group of imperfect people. That's who we are because all people are imperfect. And this is a place that imperfect people get to come and be imperfect together because we're imperfect or something like that, right? You know, and, and that's what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be the place that imperfect folks can come together and be all screwed up and messed up and messy and all that stuff. And we love each other anyway. And we walk together through the stuff that life throws at us and we make it because we, it's a we and not an I. And it's powerful. It's powerful. God's, God's grace is pursuing us. He's always pursuing us. There's a poem by Francis Thompson. It's called The Hound of Heaven, and, and, I, and I took part of it because I don't like the whole thing, but I like this part. Well, you'll, you'll understand when I start reading it. It's old English. <laughs> but I love this. It says, I fled him down the nights and the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinth ways of my own mind, and in the midst of tears I hid from him 
And under running laughter, upvisted hopes I sped from those strong feet that followed, followed after. You see, God's feet are following us always. But with unhurrying chase and unperturbed pace, deliberate speed, majestic instancy, they beat. And a voice beat more instant than the feet. All things betray thee, strange pity is futile thing. Wherefore should any set your love apart? Seeing none but me makes much of naught. And he said, human love needs human meriting. And how have you merited of all man's clotted clay, the dingiest clot? Alas, you know not how little worthy of any love you are. Whom will you find to love thee? Save me, save only me. All which I took from thee I did but take, not for your harm, but that you might seek it in my arms. Rise, clasp my hand and come. All findest, blindest, weakest, I am he whom thou seekest. We chase after a lot of stuff. And God is the answer. And he wants to free us. So that we can choose to respond to this free gift, we get to say yes and uh, this relationship and place our trust in Christ. And I love this Romans 8 passage. I'm going to read 31, 32, and then jump to 37. And I love this. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor the things present, things to come, or powers, or height, or depth, or anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that awesome? Nothing will separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Nothing, Sean, will separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing, Lynn. Not anything. Bridget, you know what will separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus? Nothing. Nothing. God's love is there. It's, 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 it's hanging on, right? It's hanging on. Always hanging in there. Always hanging on. Won't give up on us. Even, you know, even when we walk through junk. Anybody ever walk through junk? Um, don't bother. I know if you didn't raise your hand, you'd be lying. I don't want to set you up to lie. So we all walk through junk. We all got stuff. God's love is with you through it. Oh, that is so cool. I like that part. God wants to empower us. He wants to give us spiritual strength. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for you, whether you think it's the right time or the wrong time, it doesn't matter. It's all time is good time for Christ. He came so that he, you could be set free. And we were created, and we are imago Dei. We are created in the very image of of God, and we were created for a relationship with the divine. We're created with a, for a relationship with God. In the beginning, God created the world, the cosmos, everything that's in it, and he saw that it was good. This Genesis 1. And God created humankind, male and female, and you know what he said? He said it was very good. So if God is saying that you are very good, maybe you're created very good. Now, I know some of you are like me, and you got a voice inside that says, that's a bunch of hooey. That voice, 
is lying. The truth is that God's love and grace are with us, and he sees us differently than we see ourselves. We are cre- declared, he declared we were very good and enjoyed relationship with him in the garden, and each one of us is a beloved child of God. That's who we are. We're a child of God. We have the capacity to love. We have the capacity to be loved. It's an awesome gift. We're spiritual beings. It's like we have a God-shaped space in us. We throw stuff in it, right? You know, you know I'm recovering, so I threw a bunch of stuff in there, every kind of addiction thing that you can think of and anything to make me different. I threw stuff in it trying to fill that hole. But the problem for me was that that hole is only filled with God. And so no no matter what I put in there, I was just making it worse, trying to make it better. St. Augustine said this, Our hearts will not find rest until they find rest in thee. Our hearts will not find rest until they find rest in thee. And here's something really important, and, and, you know, I think it's great for us to grab hold of. I didn't think about this until I, I gave this, this one time. It says, the bad news of human sin is preceded by the good news of our origin in God. The bad news of human sin is preceded when that means before that, the good news of our origin in God. You know what that origin in God was? Un filtered, unobstructed relationship. Sin was not there. Now, some choices got made. You know, women are women. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) I didn't get near enough laughs. (laughs) Men are men, I mean. (laughs) That's better, that's better. People are people, human beings are human beings. And, and those choices, those wrong choices that our forefather, forefather, foremother brought into it, brought disorder to creation, you know. But prov- God provided for Adam and Eve even in the midst of that. And I, I want you to grab hold of this. See, because I imagine that each of us in this place can relate to having made maybe one or two wrong choices that separated us from God or from, or from our, it hurt our relationship with him and diminished our spiritual lives. And if that is you today, I want you to read this. Everybody read it with me, but know that this is for you, if that's you. If, 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 if you said, I've done something that, that is between me and my relationship with God, and it's unhealable, read this with me. God's love and grace is greater than all our wrong choices. God's love and grace is greater than your wrong choice, whatever that wrong choice was. God covers it. That's who he is. And he continues to offer us a relationship. He desires a relationship with us even more than we want one with him. Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love, which means how long? Ever, right? It's before and after. Therefore, I've continued my faithfulness to you. God has been after us since before we were born. It's crazy. And the nature of this relationship is covenantal. A covenant is the strongest kind of relationship in Scripture. God made covenants with Noah, Abraham, Moses, the Israelites, David. God, God w- made these covenants with them because he was serious about this relationship. Now, there are things that some of the Old Testament covenants were conditional. If you do this, then I'll do that. But God's covenants tended to not be. He said, this is the covenant that I make with you. And he sent the prophets because the Israelites were like us, and they messed up all the time, you know. If you read the Old Testament, you go, okay, good king, bad king, bad king, bad king, bad king, 
good king, bad king, bad king. It was just like that. It's like one, one and then four bad, and then somebody brings them back. And the prophet is always there. And he's at, but was trying to call us into relationship. He's serious about his desire for a relationship with us. And then Jesus came. Because we proved without a shadow of a doubt we can't do it. The Israelites proved for us, you know, that we can't get it done. If it could have been done, they'd have done it, we'd have done it. But we are not capable of being perfect. So Jesus came. And he offered us a new covenant. Water and the spirit and in blood. And it's based in love and grace, a gift freely given. It's unconditional from the perspective of God. It's that present that sits on the table with your name on it. You get to choose to receive it or reject it, but it's already offered. It's offered. And God takes the initiative to seek us. It's not up to us to seek God. God is pursuing you even now. Genesis 3.8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Now, God didn't need to know where they are. He wanted them to know, I am looking for you. I know that you're hiding because you sinned, but I am still looking for you. He was still pursuing them. And if you're hiding behind sin, even today, God is looking for you. He is still pursuing you. And this pursuit, this divine initiative is what we experience as grace. We didn't earn it. He just comes. And provenient grace comes in a lot of different ways, sometimes through different events. Sometimes it's a positive event, a worship service, a concert, something along those lines that gets our attention and we go, wow, that, that moved my heart and draws us closer to God. Sometimes it's a tragedy, you know, a death in a family or a, a major illness or, you know, lots of different negative things that we would call negative that open our eyes to I can't, so we'd say help, and that can draw us. Um, anybody ever had a praying mom, grandma, grandpa, dad, somebody who prayed for you? Yeah. So that's another way that that happens is through others, through the sacrifice of others who embody God's love for us and towards us. And some of y'all are praying for your kids and for others in your life. Keep praying. You know, I've known folks who were 50, 60 years prayed for before they came around. Don't give up. Be the persistent widow. Continue to bring it. Continue to bring it. Um, it often happens, this provenient grace happens through the, through the body of believers known as the church. When we are together in community, it, it matters. The Holy Spirit awakens us and moves us and reminds us that we can't, but he can. And we can't, we don't have to, but he can. So we keep, keep pursuing him. And God will never force you. He just won't. He won't force you. He's going to offer it to you. He's going to court you. He's going to woo you. But it's up to us. We choose. So let me get back to that earlier story. You see, in experiencing all those different kinds of abuse when I was growing up and living in all that pain, I came to believe that there was a, it was absolutely and without a shadow of a doubt something desperately wrong with me. I thought that, that any, it, you know, this is me and, and I don't know what to do. And I believe that. Maybe one or two of you in here today know a little bit about that, that you've traveled a path and you're like, you know, if I could just get it right, if I could just do the right thing, if I could step into the right place, then it would all come together. If I could just do it the right way. And I can tell you that the more I tried to earn my way, which is what that is, the deeper my pit became. It was like I was just shoveling, right? 
alcoholism, drug addiction, pornography. Got my girlfriend pregnant, and we aborted that child. Continued, at age 25, I tried to kill myself. It was a dark time. Remember my questions as a child. God, you know me? Yes, Michael, I know you. I've been here through all of the pain. I was carrying you before you even knew who I was. What your father sought to destroy, I seek to heal. And what addiction sought to rob, I seek to restore. You knit me together. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, Michael, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. My dear child, that I love more than life itself. I will go to the cross for you even though you don't yet know who I am. Even though you're not yet born. I am not hidden. No. Nothing about you is hidden from me. All that you are and all that you will ever be is known to me. And I will pursue you all the days of your life. Then where are you? I'm here. I've always been here. And I will always be here. I know you don't believe this right now, but all of those terrible things you went through, every single one of them will one day become strengths. And one day, many years from now, you're going to be called to be one of my ministers. I'm going to send you to this little church in Jackson County. I have a message that I want you to give to the people there. Tell them that I love them. Each of them wholly and completely. There is nothing that can separate them from my love. My grace has pursued them proveniently from the time they were born and let them know that my grace is sufficient. Tell those who have wandered from me that I forgive them and that I'm here to meet with them. Always. Tell them I want to draw nearer to them that I will never leave, that I never left. impossible love one beyond anything that we know he wants to be in relationship with you he offers you that relationship if you haven't said yes I hope you do today you can let me know on the side I don't need for it to be a public display unless you want it to be but just know that God is calling you he's calling you closer and closer and I pray that we each open our hearts to God and fully, fully accept the relationship that he offers us. His grace is enough.